Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today I'd like to look at the issue of the need for IVF. This is being discussed at various levels from the government Department of Health, amongst specialists, and amongst patient groups. And for the individual patient, it is an important question. Do I really need IVF? What's for sure is that IVF is demanding. Demanding psychologically, demanding financially. And doesn't always result in the desired baby that you so want. But IVF should really be treated as the last step in the journey to get that baby. And I'm certainly concerned when patients come to me saying, I went to see a doctor and they told me I needed IVF. It is very rare that I say that on the first visit. But they comprise a relatively small percentage of all IVF patients that we treat today. So those absolute indications where, for whatever reason, you have blocked tubes. That can be infection, it could be scarring from a previous operation or scarring from endometriosis. Bypassing the tubes is what IVF was originally designed for and remains the treatment of choice in regards to that. Obviously, if you're going to do surrogacy, then you've got to do IVF to collect the eggs to provide the surrogate with the embryo to carry. There are situations where there is no sperm being produced normally by ejaculation and we have to do surgical sperm removal. And because the numbers of sperm able to be retrieved that way are so small that we can't use that for natural conception, we've got to do IVF. So they're the absolute 
indications. The next level down are where it's probably logical to be taking on IVF. And that's primarily around the failure of other treatments. A patient who has severe polycystic ovaries and has not responded to tablets, when injections have been used to stimulate ovulation, they've produced so many eggs that it is unsafe to inseminate the patient or to have intercourse. The only way of controlling things to avoid high multiple pregnancies is to do IVF. In women who have severe endometriosis, even though their tubes may be open, the damage around the rest of the pelvis may be so severe that IVF is the sensible next step after trying on their own for a period of time. In men who produce sperm but in small numbers, the most effective treatment for them in terms of achieving a pregnancy is again being going through IVF but adding in the technique of individual sperm injection into the eggs, ICSI. Then there are potentially those cases where possibly IVF is the last resort after trying other things. So couples who've been trying for two, three, four years in which the doctor finds nothing wrong with them and they've tried intrauterine insemination to try and enhance fertility and that's failed, then IVF is a a reasonable next step. And this is particularly the case if the woman is getting older, getting up around the 38 plus years, really moving to IVF is appropriate at an earlier rather than a later stage. Because while people have indicated that expectant management, i.e. just keep on trying, does have a pregnancy rate if you're 30-ish years of age. But once you get over 35, expectant management has a very low return because the quality of the eggs is declining. And certainly over 40, there is no indication for expectant management. Moving things along to IVF is appropriate. Which brings me to the rest of the indications for IVF. And I would say there are very few actual indications for IVF other than patients' desire to get pregnant as quickly as possible. I personally have problems dealing with patients who really have only been trying for a relatively short period of time but have been convinced by friends, relatives, media or their GP that IVF is for them. So a couple coming along at six months of trying who are under the age of 35 should not be doing IVF. They should be investigated and if everything is normal they should keep trying because in the next six months in unexplained infertility you've got more chance of getting a baby by simply having normal intercourse at the right time than one cycle of IVF. Once you get beyond the 12 months, you can justify moving more to IVF. But there are still things to be done in unexplained infertility, like intrauterine insemination. And I personally believe we don't do enough intrauterine insemination. I think it, I see it as a staging point between doing nothing and doing IVF for women with unexplained infertility. 
I think too many couples are going through IVF too soon in that scenario. The women who present, or couples where the woman is over 40, are an interestingly difficult conversation for me because I know and that the statistics for IVF are relatively poor. They're certainly not zero, and they're certainly the 40, 41-year-olds, even 42-year-olds, have rates of success that make it worthwhile trying. They're the sorts of rates of success that 20 years ago I was offering women in their 20s and 30s. Science has improved, and it has made it more possible for women in an older age group to get pregnant. But we need to be realistic. Of all my patients who come to me over the age of 40, less than half will ever get a baby. Probably that number is more like 30% will ever get a baby, despite going through IVF. It is certainly not a panacea. It's not a cure-all. So who should have IVF? Certainly there are those with the absolute indications that I've mentioned above. And there's also those who failed other therapies. But I would ask you as a patient to think and ask the question of your specialist, do I really need IVF? And hopefully the answer you'll get will convince you that you're doing the right thing. But I do believe that at times IVF is used too soon and too easily. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.